Chapter 18. Beware of Pride. Pride is the universal sin, the great vice. The antidote for pride is humility. From the Life of Ezra Taft Benson. In his first general conference address as president of the church, President Ezra Taft Benson taught about differences between pride and humility. Pride does not look up to God and care about what is right. It looks sideways to man and argues who is right. Pride is characterized by what do I want out of life, rather than by what would God have me do with my life. It is self-will as opposed to God's will. It is the fear of man over the fear of God. Humility responds to God's will, to the fear of His judgments and to the needs of those around us. To the proud, the applause of the world rings in their ears. To the humble, the applause of heaven warms their hearts. These teachings were familiar to the men who had served with President Benson in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. They knew that as president of their quorum, he never worried about his personal views, only about learning and following God's will. President Boyd K. Packer, who later served as president of the Quorum of the Twelve himself, told of President Benson's approach to discussions in quorum meetings. You could disagree with President Benson without worrying that there was anything personal to it. We had full discussions on matters without worrying what his viewpoint might be. Elder Russell M. Nelson, who served in the Quorum of the Twelve for two years under President Benson's leadership, said, In any consideration, even if it was not his opinion, President Benson measured a situation against only one standard, what's best for the kingdom. If it meant a wrinkle might have to be folded in a way he wouldn't have done it, so be it. He wanted only what was best for the kingdom. As a government leader, President Benson was equally dedicated to doing what was best for the kingdom of God. When he served as the United States Secretary of Agriculture, he received much applause of the world, along with a large amount of harsh criticism. He did not allow either to ring in his ears. Instead, he was true to a reminder he frequently received from his wife Flora. Don't worry about the world's opinion of you as long as you're right with the Lord. Content with the quiet applause of heaven, he always sought to respond to God's will. Teachings of Ezra Taft Benson, Section 1 The Lord has warned us to beware of pride. The Doctrine and Covenants tells us that the Book of Mormon is the record of a fallen people. Doctrine and Covenants, Section 20, Verse 9 Why did they fall? This is one of the major messages of the Book of Mormon. Mormon gives the answer in the closing chapters of the book in these words. Behold, the pride of this nation, or the people of the Nephites, hath proven their destruction. Moroni chapter 8 verse 27. And then, lest we miss that momentous Book of Mormon message from that fallen people, the Lord warns us in the Doctrine and Covenants, Beware of pride, lest ye become as the Nephites of old. Doctrine and Covenants, section 38 verse 39. I earnestly seek an interest in your faith and prayers as I strive to bring forth light on this Book of Mormon message, The Sin of Pride. This message has been weighing heavily on my soul for some time. I know the Lord wants this message delivered now. In the pre-mortal council, it was pride that felled Lucifer, a son of the morning. 2 Nephi chapter 24, verses 12-15 through 15. See also Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verses 25 through 27, Moses, chapter 4, verse 3. At the end of this world, 
When God cleanses the earth by fire, the proud will be burned as stubble, and the meek shall inherit the earth. See 3 Nephi chapter 12, verse 5, chapter 25, verse 1, Doctrine and Covenants, section 29, verse 9, Joseph Smith History, chapter 1, verse 37, Malachi, chapter 4, verse 1. Three times in the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord uses the phrase, Beware of pride, including a warning to the second elder of the church, Oliver Cowdery, and to Emma Smith, the wife of the prophet. Doctrine and Covenants, section 23, verse 1. See also section 25, verse 14, section 38, verse 39. Section 2. The central feature of pride is enmity toward God and our fellow men. Pride is a very misunderstood sin, and many are sinning in ignorance. See Mosiah chapter 3, verse 11, 3 Nephi chapter 6, verse 18. In the scriptures, there is no such thing as righteous pride. It is always considered a sin. Therefore, no matter how the world uses the term, we must understand how God uses the term so we can understand the language of holy writ and profit thereby. See 2 Nephi chapter 4, verse 15, Mosiah chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, Alma chapter 5, verse 61. Most of us think of pride as self-centeredness, conceit, boastfulness, arrogance, or haughtiness. All of these are elements of the sin, but the heart or core is still missing. The central feature of pride is enmity. Enmity toward God and enmity toward our fellow men. Enmity means hatred towards, hostility to, or a state of opposition. It is the power by which Satan wishes to reign over us. Pride is essentially competitive in nature. We pit our will against God's. When we direct our pride toward God, it is in the spirit of my will and not thine be done. As Paul said, they seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. Philippians chapter 2, verse 21. Our will, in competition to God's will, allows desires, appetites, and passions to go unbridled. See Alma chapter 38, verse 12. 3 Nephi chapter 12, verse 30. The proud cannot accept the authority of God giving direction to their lives. See Helaman chapter 12, verse 6. They pit their perceptions of truth against God's great knowledge, their abilities versus God's priesthood power, their accomplishments against His mighty works. Our enmity toward God takes on many labels, such as rebellion, hard-heartedness, stiff-neckedness, unrepentant, puffed-up, easily offended, and sign-seekers. The proud wish God would agree with them. They aren't interested in changing their opinions to agree with God's. Another major portion of this very prevalent sin of pride is enmity toward our fellow men. We are tempted daily to elevate ourselves above others and diminish them. See Helaman chapter 6 verse 17, Doctrine and Covenants, section 58 verse 41. The proud make every man their adversary by pitting their intellects, opinions, works, wealth, talents, or any other worldly measuring device against others. In the words of C.S. Lewis, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition has gone, pride has gone. Mere Christianity, New York, Macmillan, 1952, pages 109 and 110. In the pre-earthly council, 
Lucifer placed his proposal in competition with the Father's plan as advocated by Jesus Christ. See Moses chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. He wished to be honored above all others. See 2 Nephi chapter 24 verse 13. In short, his prideful desire was to dethrone God. See Doctrine and Covenants section 29 verse 36, section 76 verse 28. The scriptures abound with evidences of the severe consequences of the sin of pride to individuals, groups, cities, and nations. Pride goeth before destruction. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18. It destroyed the Nephite nation and the city of Sodom. See Moroni chapter 8 verse 27. Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 49 and 50. Section 3. The proud stand more in fear of men's judgment than of God's judgment. It was through pride that Christ was crucified. The Pharisees were wroth because Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, which was a threat to their position, and so they plotted his death. See John chapter 11, verse 53. Saul became an enemy to David through pride. He was jealous because the crowds of Israelite women were singing that Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 8. The proud stand more in fear of men's judgment than of God's judgment. See Doctrine and Covenants, section 3, verses 6 and 7, section 30, verses 1 and 2, section 60, verse 2. What will men think of me weighs heavier than what will God think of me? King Noah was about to free the prophet Abinadi, but an appeal to his pride by his wicked priests sent Abinadi to the flames. See Mosiah chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. Herod sorrowed at the request of his wife to behead John the Baptist, but his prideful desire to look good to them which sat with him at meat caused him to kill John. Matthew chapter 14, verse 9. See also Mark chapter 6, verse 26. Fear of men's judgment manifests itself in competition for men's approval. The proud love the praise of men more than the praise of God. John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. Our motives for the things we do are where the sin is manifest. Jesus said he did always those things that pleased God. John chapter 8, verse 29. Would we not do well to have the pleasing of God as our motive, rather than to try to elevate ourselves above our brother and outdo another? Some prideful people are not so concerned as to whether their wages meet their needs as they are that their wages are more than someone else's. Their reward is being a cut above the rest. This is the enmity of pride. When pride has a hold on our hearts, we lose our independence of the world and deliver our freedoms to the bondage of men's judgment. The world shouts louder than the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. The reasoning of men overrides the revelations of God, and the proud let go of the iron rod. See 1 Nephi chapter 8, verses 19 through 28, chapter 11, verse 25, chapter 15, verses 23 and 24. Section 4. Pride is manifest in many ways. Pride is a sin that can readily be seen in others, but is rarely admitted in ourselves. Most of us consider pride to be a sin of those on the top, such as the rich and the learned, looking down at the rest of us. See 2 Nephi chapter 9, verse 42. There is, however, a far more common ailment among us, and that is pride from the bottom looking up. 
It is manifest in so many ways, such as fault-finding, gossiping, backbiting, murmuring, living beyond our means, envying, coveting, withholding gratitude and praise that might lift another, and being unforgiving and jealous. Disobedience is essentially a prideful power struggle against someone in authority over us. It can be a parent, a priesthood leader, a teacher, or ultimately God. A proud person hates the fact that someone is above him. He thinks this lowers his position. Selfishness is one of the more common faces of pride. How everything affects me is the center of all that matters. Self-conceit, self-pity, worldly self-fulfillment, self-gratification, and self-seeking. Pride results in secret combinations which are built up to get power, gain, and glory of the world. See Helaman chapter 7 verse 5. Ether, chapter 8, verses 9, 16, 22, and 23. Moses, chapter 5, verse 31. This fruit of the sin of pride, namely secret combinations, brought down both the Jaredite and the Nephite civilizations, and has been and will yet be the cause of the fall of many nations. See Ether, chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. Another face of pride is contention. Arguments, fights, unrighteous dominion, generation gaps, divorces, spouse abuse, riots, and disturbances all fall into this category of pride. Contention in our families drives the Spirit of the Lord away. It also drives many of our family members away. Contention ranges from a hostile spoken word to worldwide conflicts. The Scriptures tell us that only by pride cometh contention. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 10 See also Proverbs chapter 28, verse 25. The scriptures testify that the proud are easily offended and hold grudges. See 1 Nephi chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. They withhold forgiveness to keep another in their debt and to justify their injured feelings. The proud do not receive counsel or correction easily. See Proverbs chapter 15, verse 10. Amos chapter 5, verse 10. Defensiveness is used by them to justify and rationalize their frailties and failures. See Matthew chapter 3 verse 9, John chapter 6 verses 30 through 59. The proud depend upon the world to tell them whether they have value or not. Their self-esteem is determined by where they are judged to be on the ladders of worldly success. They feel worthwhile as individuals if the numbers beneath them in achievement, talent, Beauty or intellect are large enough. Pride is ugly. It says, if you succeed, I am a failure. If we love God, do His will, and fear His judgment more than men's, we will have self-esteem. Section 5. Pride Limits or Stops Progression Pride is a damning sin in the true sense of that word. It limits or stops progression. See Alma chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. The proud are not easily taught. See 1 Nephi chapter 15, verse 3, and verses 7 through 11. They won't change their minds to accept truths because to do so implies they have been wrong. Pride adversely affects all our relationships. Our relationship with God and His servants, between husband and wife, parent and child, employer and employee, teacher and student, and all mankind. Our degree of pride determines how we treat our God and our brothers and sisters. Christ wants to lift us to where He is. Do we desire to do the same for others?
Pride fades our feelings of sonship to God and brotherhood to man. It separates and divides us by ranks, according to our riches and our chances for learning. 3 Nephi chapter 6, verse 12 Unity is impossible for a proud people, and unless we are one, we are not the Lord's. See Mosiah chapter 18, verse 21, Doctrine and Covenants section 38, verse 27, section 105, verses 2 through 4, and Moses chapter 7, verse 18. Think of what pride has cost us in the past and what it is now costing us in our own lives, our families, and the church. Think of the repentance that could take place with lives changed, marriages preserved, and homes strengthened, if pride did not keep us from confessing our sins and forsaking them. See Doctrine and Covenants section 58, verse 43. Think of the many who are less active members of the church because they were offended, and their pride will not allow them to forgive or fully sup at the Lord's table. Think of the tens of thousands of additional young men and couples who could be on missions except for the pride that keeps them from yielding their hearts unto God. See Alma chapter 10 verse 6, Helaman chapter 3 verses 34 and 35. Think how temple work would increase if the time spent in this godly service were more important than the many prideful pursuits that compete for our time. Section 6 the antidote for pride is humility. Pride affects all of us at various times and in various degrees. Now you can see why the building in Lehi's dream that represents the pride of the world was large and spacious and great was the multitude that did enter into it. See 1 Nephi chapter 8 verses 26 and 33, chapter 11 verses 35 and 36. Pride is the universal sin, the great vice. Yes, pride is the universal sin, the great vice. The antidote for pride is humility, meekness, submissiveness. See Alma chapter 7, verse 23. It is the broken heart and contrite spirit. See 3 Nephi chapter 9, verse 20, chapter 12, verse 19. Doctrine and Covenants section 20, verse 37. Section 59, verse 8. Psalm 34, verse 18, Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, chapter 66, verse 2. As Rudyard Kipling put it so well, the tumult and the shouting dies, the captains and the kings depart, still stands thine ancient sacrifice and humble and a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. God will have a humble people, Either we can choose to be humble, or we can be compelled to be humble. Alma said, Blessed are they who humble themselves without being compelled to be humble. Alma chapter 32 verse 16. Let us choose to be humble. We can choose to humble ourselves by conquering enmity toward our brothers and sisters, esteeming them as ourselves, and lifting them as high or higher than we are. See Doctrine and Covenants, section 38, verse 24, section 81, verse 5, section 84, verse 106. We can choose to humble ourselves by receiving counsel and chastisement. See Jacob, chapter 4, verse 10, Helaman, chapter 15, verse 3, Doctrine and Covenants, section 63, verse 55, section 101, verses 4 and 5, section 108, verse 1, section 124, verses 61 and 84, Section 136, verse 31, Proverbs, 
chapter 9, verse 8. We can choose to humble ourselves by forgiving those who have offended us. See 3 Nephi, chapter 13, verses 11 and 14, Doctrine and Covenants, section 64, verse 10. We can choose to humble ourselves by rendering selfless service. See Mosiah, chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. We can choose to humble ourselves by going on missions and preaching the word that can humble others. See Alma, chapter 4, verse 19, chapter 31, verse 5, chapter 48, verse 20. We can choose to humble ourselves by getting to the temple more frequently. We can choose to humble ourselves by confessing and forsaking our sins and being born of God. See Doctrine and Covenants, section 58, verse 43, Mosiah, chapter 27, verses 25 and 26, Alma chapter 5 verses 7 through 14 and verse 49. We can choose to humble ourselves by loving God, submitting our will to His, and putting Him first in our lives. See 3 Nephi chapter 11 verse 11, chapter 13 verse 33, Moroni chapter 10 verse 32. Let us choose to be humble. We can do it. I know we can. My dear brethren and sisters, we must prepare to redeem Zion. It was essentially the sin of pride that kept us from establishing Zion in the days of the prophet Joseph Smith. It was the same sin of pride that brought consecration to an end among the Nephites. See 4th Nephi chapter 1 verses 24 and 25. Pride is the great stumbling block to Zion. I repeat, pride is the great stumbling block to Zion. We must cleanse the inner vessel by conquering pride. See Alma chapter 6 verses 2 through 4, Matthew chapter 23 verses 25 and 26. We must yield to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, put off the prideful natural man, become a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, and become as a child submissive, meek, humble. Mosiah chapter 3 verse 19. See also Alma chapter 13, verse 28. That we may do so and go on to fulfill our divine destiny is my fervent prayer. Suggestions for Study and Teaching Questions President Benson pointed out that pride led to the destruction of the Nephite people. See section 1. Why do you think pride has such destructive power? In what ways might people pit their will against God's will? See section 2. What are some blessings that come to us when we follow God's will? Why do you think we sometimes ask, What will other people think of me? rather than, What will God think of me? See section 3. How do our lives change when our greatest desire is to please God? Review the manifestations of pride that are listed in section 4. How can we avoid these manifestations of pride in our lives? President Benson said, Pride adversely affects all our relationships, with God and with others. Section 5. Why is this true? In what ways do our relationships improve when we are humble? In section 6, President Benson listed ways we can choose to be humble. Why do you think it is better to choose to be humble than to be compelled to be humble? Related Scriptures 
Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. James chapter 4, verse 6. Alma chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. Doctrine and Covenants, section 112, verse 10. And section 121, verses 34 through 40. Study Help To liken the words of a prophet to yourself, think about how his teachings relate to you. See Teaching No Greater Call, 1999, page 170. Consider asking yourself how those teachings can help you with concerns, questions, and challenges in your life.